and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Cousins from under center, straight drop, it's another deep shot, center of the field, on the run, 2015 Welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. Kirk, after losing your first two games of the season, you seem primed to uh, being able to break into the win column. If you look at uh, uh, the statistics that your offense rolled up, 251 passing yards for you, three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook ran for 181. A rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, who we'll hear from later in the show, caught seven passes for 175 yards. Unfortunately, he still lost 31-30. to Looking back, looking at the tape, does it feel like you had like a dozen different ways you could have possibly won this football game? You know, Rosie, I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, you look at when you lose by one point and you lose in such a close game, there are so many plays that if one of them turns the other way, you know, maybe the result is different. And uh, we started adding up the plays that were not made or missed that we left points out on the field. And you start to say, man, it's it's almost double digit or it is double-digit points that were that were left out there, and uh, those are the plays that you look back on and they make you sick to your stomach. And um, that's why you know you have to be so on the details, and you can't afford to miss a single play because when a, a game comes down to the wire like that, they all come back uh, and and have made a huge impact on the final score. Uh, you were well aware what Tennessee's uh, last-minute sort of uh, motive operation is. They are every single game winning close games. And you knew it was going to be a dogfight until the end as well. If you think about it, the Vikings had to find a way of any means to win this football game. This is the National Football League in a nutshell. Does that make it all the more disappointing? Yeah, it really does. I mean, that, like you said, all, all these games, so many of these games come down to the final quarter, the final minutes, the final possession. And um, we have to be successful in those one possession games with minutes remaining. And that was what was disappointing among other things throughout this game is that uh, when it came down to the final two possessions, you know, we weren't able to move the football, get first downs and, and get points, which would have been able to uh, put the game away and get us the win. You sort of flipped the script of the first two games. Uh, unlike the first two games, you got off to a slower start, three and out, uh, a kind of a fluky fumble by Dalvin when he landed on CJ Ham, and, and you were down six, nothing. It, it seemed like you still had the confidence right away of, kind of getting this offense rolling and, and keeping yourself on the football field. Well, one thing our defense did really well on Sunday and they've done really well ever since I've been on the team is is they they hold people to field goals. And so it really keeps the points down. And so when we're you're making, you know, some mistakes early and you aren't getting points, like you said, we're only down six nothing and we can get right back in the game. So uh kudos to our defense for all the third down stops they had and the way they were able to force field goals and um, it gave us a chance after a slow start to get right back in the game and then take the lead. Well, you did that with Dalvin Cook. They kept hounding away with Dalvin, and you wanted to keep him going and keeping him uh, uh, very active. And it was a perfectly executed run, uh, 39-yard touchdown. The offensive line, the tight ends, got to that second level of blocking. And from your viewpoint, it had to look pretty sweet. Absolutely. We needed a play like that to get us back into it. And uh, it was well-blocked, well-designed. And, um, you know, Dalvin did a great job making the, the free safety miss and then pulling away from the rest of the defense. But uh, uh, that, like you said, I had a great view. I handed it off, looked back, and Dalvin was gone. 
did you feel for the first time you were getting into a rhythm offensively? The time of possession has been such a problem for the offense to stay on the field, and it looked like you were starting to accumulate the, those those minutes on the field. Certainly, certainly, we had time of possession more this this past game. We uh, were able to run the football very effectively. We even ran it effectively on third and short, third and medium to keep us on the field. Um, so when it comes to the run game, you know, I think we did a lot of good things and was a big reason why we scored 30 points and uh, were able to, uh, you know, stay on the field and have such a great day offensively as far as yard. And when Harrison Smith made that leaping interception in the end zone, it's, you know, it's such a quiet place inside U.S. Bank Stadium. You could almost, you could hear the everybody just sort of jump in joy that you got to turn this ball around and now you have an opportunity to really take advantage of it, which hasn't happened all that often. No, it was a great turnover. Again, anytime you can take away points in the red zone, uh, like he did there with interception near the end zone, that's tremendous. And uh, we were able to, you know, move the football then and answer and get points off that turnover, which is always such a key statistic is creating points off of turnovers. And, um, you know, just another great play by Harrison Smith, who's made so many great ones in his career. You've talked a lot about extending the play uh, with your feet this year, and you did it. Uh, uh, it a prime example was your touchdown pass to Adam Thielen when things broke down a little bit in the middle of the field, and I thought maybe you were throwing the ball away. Did you see Adam at the last second? Was that the design in your mind, or was that just improvised? It was probably a little bit more improvising than anything. Uh, the play, you know, was designed to go elsewhere, didn't have the look we wanted. And then CJ Ham did a really good job being able to block back to buy me more time. Otherwise, I don't get to get that throw off. Uh, but because of CJ's block, I was able to keep moving, keep my eyes down the field. And then Adam kept working for me. And I figured I'd throw it to a spot where it was either going to be him or nobody, and uh, it was him. He made a great catch. Uh, both he and Rudy later do a good job of keeping their feet in bounds as they're diving or reaching for a ball. And uh, that was a big play for us. I thought it was, you know, one of those that kind of gets you going, gets some momentum, and and gets you a lead. You talk about those one, the ones that just couldn't quite uh, complete. You threw the, a pass to. Jefferson in the end zone that Malcolm Butler broke up. I think another one to Thielen. He had to sell for a field goal. But just a matter of an inch or two here, and, and, and the complexion of the game really would have changed in your favor. Yeah, those are the plays you mentioned there where you leave points on the field. So uh, whether it was the, the one to Justin, you know, that Malcolm Butler breaks up, or the next one on the goal ball to Adam that, that didn't get completed, uh, you know, we ended up selling for a field goal there. So that's a four-point difference if you instead score that touchdown and kick the extra point. And so – you know, you know, in close games, you know, in this league, when you kick field goals instead of touchdowns, especially when you had a chance at a touchdown, many times that comes back to, to bite you. Unless you kick six of them like Eskowski did on Sunday from 50 plus. Uh, he, he couldn't he couldn't make one earlier in the year. He couldn't miss on Sunday. Getting back to the third quarter, you got a 17-9 halftime lead. You, know, you want that first drive to be successful. Unfortunately, that first the first play just broke apart and you threw the interception. What happened on that play as you look on the film? Yeah, tough look. They, they brought a blitz, uh, dropped the defensive end. I felt that the defensive end would be in the throwing lane, and so I really was wanting to throw it over his head and out of bounds. But the, uh, the corner was, was off and outside and was able to see that and drive on the football. And so in hindsight, the ball needs to go you know, much further, much higher, so that Justin wouldn't get it, but also the DB wouldn't get it. Uh, momentum, you know, when you get the ball coming out of the half, you have momentum, you feel like you're doing good things, and then you turn it right over you kind of lose that momentum. And I think that's, that's just as much of a, of a challenge when you lose that as, as uh, you know, as anything else. Yeah. He held him to a field goal, 17 to 12 Then the breakout play of the game and uh, the young career for Justin Jefferson. If you could go into detail and we'll hear from Justin, as I mentioned a little bit later in the show, 71 yard catch and run 
all of his talents on display. And you said you worked on this play a lot in practice during the week. Oh, yeah. That was a uh, unbelievable play by Justin in man coverage uh, to be able to separate first man. And then once the ball is caught to, to pull away, um, fun to see. And, uh, you know, we're all still learning him. Uh, I know the fan base watches and they're trying to learn about him. But without preseason, without OTAs, you know, there's still a growing process there. And so it's fun to see him make plays not only on that route, but on the go ball and on other short routes, just to see what he can do. And, and uh, I think we'll keep continuing to, to feed him the football. Well, you can understand why Tennessee made it to the AFC title game. They're a very tenacious football team. And when you got someone like Derrick Henry in, his, in their backfield, they, they can afford to be patient. And that seemed to be their, their style attacking the Vikings yesterday. They just wanted to make this into a, a last couple minute football game because they weren't playing all that well, but they're, they always just hang around. Yeah, I didn't study their offense a whole lot, but uh, uh, certainly noticed, you know, Derrick Henry and what he can do, and he's going to get his yards. And and uh, I think the fact that our defense, you know, forced a turnover and uh, pressured the quarterback, uh, you know, I think Yannick was able to get in and uh, and force another fumble. Uh, we weren't able to recover it, but the, the ability to make those plays, I think, uh, uh, you know, showed a lot from our defense. Well, in the fourth quarter, you got the big touchdown pass. I know your, your, your security blanket, you've mentioned more than a couple of times, is Kyle Rudolph. And he could have a quiet game catching the football, and all of a sudden, uh, you got a big play in, in, in the red zone near the goal line. You're going to go up high because where only Kyle can catch it. It was an old basketball play, I think, that he made. I'm not sure how in the world he got his second foot down. Did you, did you have to look at the replay yourself? Did you know right away it was a touchdown? I had a pretty good idea it was a touchdown, and that goes back to just the track record with him. I think now in games, that's his third one-handed catch in the end zone like that, uh, going back to last season that I've seen, uh, and they're all impressive. Um, but the fact that he can not only have the concentration to catch the ball with one hand, but get his second foot down, I mean, that's just rare company. Not many people can do that. And then the fact that he's done it now three times in the last year uh, says a lot to his talent. Uh, why he's been so productive for so long and why he's such a great threat in the red zone. And we have to continue to find creative ways to get in the football down there as, as defenses will uh, try to key on him. Unfortunately, uh, Guskowski kept kicking 53, 54 yard field goals. and They put them ahead 31 to 30 and it led to the final drive. One that head coach Mike Zimmer described as chaos. It, it began uh, by you guys getting a 15 yard uh, penalty in your favor because of roughing the passer and then it all kind of went uh, pear-shaped. Uh, in retrospect, as you look at on tape and what happened, uh, it didn't seem like you had a lot of time to do a lot of things with the, the rush that Tennessee was providing. Yeah, the final drive was disappointing for a lot of reasons, um, but uh, it was a combination of factors. And uh, bottom line is we didn't get it done. We, we really only needed to get the field goal range, which after the penalty that they had had against them, you know, it wasn't going to take a lot to get down to the 30, 35 yard line and, and kick a field goal. So um, I was disappointed that we didn't get it done when the opportunity, even after a back and forth game, it was still right there for us with over a minute left. Yeah, I, I guess Zero's point was this, this was a veteran group. Uh, you, you, you could, unfortunately, the offense couldn't get it done. And as a quarterback, I, I assume you live for these moments. Any quarterback wants a football in his hands with a chance to win the football game in the last minute, at, especially at home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had a great opportunity and um, uh, you fully expect to go down and, and all you need is a field goal. So you don't even have to get all the way down to the end zone. And we had plenty of time. I think we had a minute 47. That's an eternity when all you need is a field goal. And, um, you know, it was just one play after another that, that didn't work, uh, didn't click, didn't execute. And 
and then you're left standing there on on the uh, fourth down having to throw the equivalent of a Hail Mary. And we still, you know, there's still a chance there, but uh, we had just put ourselves, you know, in too deep of a hole to really give it a, a great shot. Uh, when your head coach does offer words like that, chaos, it was disorganized, whatever it might be, do you take it to heart? Is it, uh, get, does anyone get defensive about it? Or is it just like, hey, that's part of the game. We're all professionals. we got to deal with the consequences. Yeah, you just be a professional. You you always take coaching and you try to get better. And you just go back to work and, and try to improve. And you never try to take it personally. They're just, you know, Coach Zimmer wants the same things we want. We're all in the same boat together. And, uh, um, you know, he's just going to demand excellence from us. And, and rightfully so. It's game day any day. Play the new Viking Scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. From camo and cat food to tools and tires, you'll find it all at Fleet Farm, your one-stop shop. Fleet Farm is the proud sponsor of Under Center. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. And Kirk, we have a very special guest today who made quite the splash on Sunday afternoon, rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson. And Justin, uh, first of all, I know you didn't get the de desired result, but you certainly turned a lot of heads on Sunday with your play. Uh, how did it feel personally to kind of have this breakout game, to get the national attention, but more importantly, feel like you're really setting in with this team right now? Uh, it feels great, honestly. Uh, it helped my co confidence a lot just being out there and uh, just making those big plays for the team. Uh, Coach Coop, um, you know, just gave me that opportunity to go out there and start yesterday, and uh, I made the most of that opportunity. So uh, I'm just really just here to to make a big part of this offense and to to get some wins. From a football standpoint, Justin, take us through the 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 journey you had from the time you were drafted, everything comes to a grinding halt because of COVID. So you can't work out at the facility. You're working out on your own, maybe with a couple other players, don't have a traditional training camp or any of those things that are going on. How did that feel kind of just all of a sudden going from zero to 100? Um, it's a really a shocker, like just to be uh, in COVID at home after the draft, uh, have to worry about, you know, just staying in shape on your own, having to do different workouts on your own um, and then having to jump straight into training camp and uh, competing with these guys. So uh, it definitely was a journey. It was a, a tough battle, uh, you know, especially to learn plays over Zoom call. But uh, that's just the things that we had to go through and uh, had to, you know, fight with but um you know just being with this team uh throughout the time and uh now it's the third game in going on my fourth and you know i'm feeling pretty confident and really comfortable uh with this offense yeah before i turn it over to kirk i just i want to if you could break down your touchdown reception from your vantage point i'll let the quarterback describe it from his vantage point <laughs> but it certainly turned a lot of heads uh, in the game and you're not just all your skills seem to be on display on that play uh yeah uh we've been working uh, with that play in practice, uh, you know, repeatedly. And, um, you know, we've seen the matchups and, um, you know, it was a great look. And, you know, he threw a, a wonderful ball. And, uh, you know, I just made some plays after the after the catch. So that's, that's all there really was to it. We ran that same play in practice on Friday. And uh, I threw the ball a little bit to his inside. And he turned around with his right hand, the exact same route, exact same play, going the same <laughs> direction, and stabbed it with one hand out of the sky <laughs> and brought it in. And we all kind of looked at each other like, did you see that? And so it was great to see on game day. Fortunately, we made a throw where he could catch it with two hands. But uh, great to see. And then the way you finish the play, I mean, to again, it would have been great to have a 50-yard game. But the fact that you then 
beat two defenders in their secondary and finish uh, with a touchdown was just outstanding. And I, I got to ask, tell, tell me about the dance. Tell me about the, the, uh, the gritty. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the gritty, it came from uh, my hometown in, uh, in New Orleans. And um, really, we just took it from LSU and, um, you know, we, we brought it to the league. And now all around the world, different teams are, you know, doing it. Uh, and, and I had to make something special about it because, you know, everybody's been doing it. So I, I had to make sure that, you know, I was I was the big dog of, of the dance. Yeah, no doubt. Now, you, I thought you really provided us with a spark yesterday. It goes without saying you were dynamic. And I think it'll be a, a big difference maker for our offense all season long. Uh, play like the goal ball we threw on a third down in the first half, uh, you know, when you went up and got it. Talk about your mindset when you're running a goal ball like that and you see the ball go up in the air and, and uh, you know you got to go make a play. Uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me about you as a player and I say he's just a natural receiver. I think you showed that natural ability on that play. But talk about that play and maybe what goes through your mind as the ball's coming towards you. Yeah, uh, well, at practice, you know, we've been saying, uh, you know, we're going to see those one-on-one -on -one battles, uh, you know, corners coming up to press. And, uh, you know, just really just winning on that that one-on-one -on -one matchup. Uh, you know, Malcolm Butler is a tremendous cornerback. Um, you know, he's been in the league for plenty of years and uh, been going against plenty of guys. So um, me just knowing how, you know, my abilities to to uh, run down the field and, and go get go balls. So, I'm just really just fighting against my my position and and going out there and making a big play. Yeah, a lot of people don't know uh, week one and week two, we really were rotating you in. And so you were playing in the slot. You were uh, subbing in for different people as they needed a breather. Whereas uh, in this latest game, you started. You were the guy outside from the beginning and uh, gave you more opportunities, gave you a different set of routes you were able to run. And I think you showed everyone uh, that that's where you're going to be and that's where you're going to be able to help us the most. Uh, talk about, you know, getting that official start at X and uh, kind of your mindset going through the week uh, as you were preparing for that opportunity. Uh, well, yeah, the first two weeks, um, me just really just getting the taste of the NFL, um, just not being able to have preseason games and uh, to, to go showcase my talent, you know, preseason. But, um, you know, it's just the circumstances that we are in and uh, me just waiting my turn, uh, just being patient and uh, just waiting for things to come. And, um, you know, Coach Kubiak just said I was I was going to go out there and start. And uh, this is my opportunity. Uh, so me just being the person that I am, uh, you know, I just want to take that opportunity and run with it. And uh, that's what I did. And uh, me just going out there making those big plays. And, you know, hopefully we just come up with the win next time. Justin, coming out of college and a prolific uh, passing school like LSU, uh, there are a lot of guys that have good speed, good hands, can run the ball pretty well. What have you found in your early time in the NFL? What separates uh, the ones that do make it, like yourself right now, and the ones who have trouble adjusting to the NFL game? What have you discovered about your own skill set and how more of a, maybe the mental part of the game as well? Uh, well, mentally, um, I've just been around football for you know all my life, having two older brothers uh, to play before me at a high level like LSU. Um, you know, just them just teaching me all of the insides and uh, the different ways to think about you know football. Uh, my older brother was a quarterback, so he taught me you know defensive schemes and uh, the different coverages of what uh, defenders do 
and different, you know, types of sets. So, um, you know, having having brothers like that and uh, going against my brother in one on one since he a, a safety, um, you know, those battles was always, uh, you know, competitive. <laughs> so uh, me going out there on Sundays, um, you know, I just think of it being the same way, just competing against my brothers and um, just, you know, making a play. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do with this team and uh, to bring excitement to the Vikings. Yeah, uh, Jordan Jefferson, who uh, is one of Justin's older brothers, uh, was my age in college. So we were both seniors together. We both went to the combine together. He was a quarterback like I was. And uh, to this day, he may have the strongest or one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. We were at the, at the Manning camp in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And Justin says as a young kid, he might have been there. We were going, Jordan and I, his, his older brother, were going into our senior year. It was the summer before our senior year. We're at the Manning camp and they kind of give us a chance to air it out and uh, and throw it some targets and kind of show off your arm. And nobody, nobody could hang with his older brother, Jordan, in terms of how far he threw <laughs> it, how hard he threw it. And they ended up that year going all the way to the national championship game. He had a great senior year. So uh, when they when we drafted Justin, I thought he comes from good stock. If he's been catching his older brother's passes at all <laughs> over the last few years, and if his older brother was talking, who's now in, as a coach, his, his brother's now a coach, but I said – if he's been around him at all talking football, he comes from good stock and he'll be ready to go. And certainly, Justin, you've shown that. But talk about, uh, you know, Jordan and kind of following his career, watching him play. That was back when I was playing. You were young. You're going to make me feel old. But uh, talk about kind of growing up, being around big time football before you were doing it yourself. Um, well, you know, when Jordan was going into uh, LSU, I was probably... Uh, I want to say nine, nine years old. So uh, going to those type of atmosphere uh, like LSU and uh, just hearing, you know, the the noise of the fans and uh, watching those Alabama games, Florida games and those top SEC schools, um, me just having goosebumps in those stands, just watching it all. And, you know, I've seen Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthews, uh, you know, all of those different types of guys uh, go through there. So, uh, you know, 12 years of my life was dedicated to LSU and, you know, watching LSU games. So um, this this really, you know, prepared me for uh, the level that I'm at now. And um, I mean, all thanks to those people that uh, grew up teaching me those uh, different techniques that I need to use. And, uh, you know, they're the reason why I'm the player I am today. Now, when you decided to, to leave and, and enter your name in the NFL draft, were you confident you'd be a first rounder? When it came to draft day, were you anxious, nervous? Were you just having fun with the process? Can you share a little bit about uh, that decision to leave? And then, you know, what draft day was like in terms of uh, your expectations? I mean, the the season just was phenomenal uh it really was a dream uh i can't really tell you uh the experience that i had um it was once in a lifetime experience and it was one of the best moments i ever had uh in my life to have you know a quarterback that's named heisman uh you know s selling set, uh setting records um us going to the national championship in new orleans and uh winning there and being 15 and no name, probably one of the best teams to ever play in history, college football. So, um, I mean, I have goosebumps now even thinking about it. So, um, it, it's been it's been crazy, and um, me the I just sat down with my my family and really just talked about it, uh, what we were going to do and uh, what would be the best decision for me. And um, you know, we all thought 
I had a phenomenal season and uh, was good enough for me to come out. So uh, that's what I did. And uh, we stuck with it. And uh, the draft and everything was was great. I had all of my family there. Uh, of course, I would like to be in, you know, Vegas, uh, having the time of my life. But <laughs> but uh, just the circumstances, you know, I, I was glad to be, uh, you know, with my family all at home and uh, having a good home cooked meal and, you know, just having those excited faces around me. So uh, I'll take I'll take that experience. Having come from a pretty pro style offense that was very multiple at LSU, you did a lot of different things, ran a lot of different routes. Uh, what has it been like picking up our system and especially without OTAs uh, having to learn so quickly in August? Can you talk about what that process was like? Uh, well, thankfully, I was in a, a pro style offense my junior year. Um, and, you know, Coach Brady um, had came in my junior year and, you know, really just turned everything around. Uh, we started throwing the ball plenty of times more. Uh, and, and really, we just we just got the ball in those playmakers hands. And, um, you know, we had a, a great overall team and uh, we just we just stuck with the fight. And that really helped me learn the plays here. And uh, it, it pretty much came easy for me. And then especially when I started practicing and started getting reps at it, um, you know, I started getting better and better and I started, you know, uh, getting the playbook down. So hopefully, you know, I just stay in in, in contact and um, really just keep focus. Yeah, I would echo that. You've done a great job picking it up. You, you uh, certainly uh, showed that you knew what you were doing. You've done it before. This isn't your first time. Uh, running these routes and, and having to win versus man coverage. And so that was a great encouragement to see. And uh, uh, I got to ask, I read somewhere, I didn't, I wouldn't have believed this, but I read somewhere that you were a two-star recruit. I was a two-star <laughs> recruit, which is probably a little bit more believable, but how in the world after your brothers and all that athleticism, what happened in recruiting? Oh, uh, well, uh, I was very small. Um, you know, my senior year, I was 175. Uh, six foot. Um, so, um, you know, I didn't really have that that size as a, a normal, you know, a big time receiver. So um, and then on on to top that off, you know, my grades wasn't as as good either. So, you know, schools wasn't coming uh, to my school and, and really looking at me. So uh, LSU gave me that big opportunity and uh, Coach O just sat down with me and my family and uh, said he was gonna give me an offer. And uh, and that scholarship was there waiting for me when I got there. So, um, you know, without him, I wouldn't even be at LSU and uh, to be on a big stage like that. So, you know, God has really been blessing me with uh, different things in my life. And um, it, it's just crazy, you know, what he has done for me already. Yeah, Justin, is there, is there an NFL wide receiver as this process was going on, you were in college, you kind of kept your eye on, I'm not just saying you're emulated, but you went, man, I, I kind of fit that uh, MO that, that will allow me to get to the NFL. Is there a guy that sort of stood out in your mind that you'd like to keep your eye on? Uh, yes. Um, you know, that's one of the things that uh, I was big on is watching different receivers in the NFL. Um, you know, just being on that high platform, uh, you know, those big time receivers, you know, that's what I want to be. I want to go out there making those plays, you know, just like they are. I want to I want to be that, you know, top receiver catching, you know, big time touchdowns uh, also. So uh, watching them do it and seeing the things that they use in order to get open and uh, to, to make those big time catches, you know, that's that's what I do. And uh, me watching Odell and uh, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, 
Um, you know, even Larry Fitz, uh, you know, an old time receiver, but you know, he he's been in the league for what 17 years now, so he's he's got to be doing something right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just being following those guys, looking at those guys, and uh, just seeing what makes them elite, and uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to be on, and um, you know, that's just the start of it. It's outstanding. I know the veterans also appreciate the espresso machine you got them in the locker room. I know Adam, Adam Thielen loves his coffee, so I had to say thank you on their behalf. Talk about uh, coming in as a rookie and just kind of dealing with veterans, learning from a guy like Adam Thielen. Uh, how, is, how has that been, learning from him? Uh, it's been phenomenal. It's been great. Um, before, I was, you know, watching plenty of tape, uh, plenty of film of, you know, Adam and, and Stefan uh, when they was here. And um, me just seeing what, what great of a guy Adam is, you know, he welcomed me the the first day I met him. And, um, and you know, just after everything, you know, he's just been teaching me different techniques, different ways to learn. And, um, you know, I'm grateful to have a, a teammate like that. And, you know, all the rest of the veterans in the locker room are uh, treating me pretty good. Uh, you know, some some like to, you know, remind me that I'm a rookie, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all good. It's okay. Yeah, well, when you make plays like you did on Sunday, people won't remember your rookie for too long. All right, I got to ask, after you scored, you did the gritty, did it pretty well. Obviously, it's your hometown, it's your dance. When Adam scored, he tried to do it. Can can we get your thoughts on Adam uh, getting in on the dance? Well, um, yeah, I've been seeing Adam do it uh, a couple times uh, at practice and everything, but uh, to see him go out there and actually do it uh, during his touchdown dance is pretty hilarious. Uh, you know, if you rewind the video, I'm just dying laughing at him uh, as he's doing the dance. So I told him you got to do a little more practice. Yeah, I got to right. I got to teach him a little bit more, but uh, we're going to get it done. That's awesome. Justin, yeah, uh, Sunday you became the first Vikings uh, rookie wide receiver to go over 100 yards and a half since a guy named Randy Moss back in 1998. A lot of records uh, you uh, reestablished uh, on Sunday afternoon. And you think of the legacy of Randy Moss, another guy who uh, uh, made quite a mark for himself in his rookie season. Uh, what stands out being now associated with the Minnesota Vikings and seeing Randy Moss's number 84 jersey, and I'm sure watching all of his highlights when you were a kid uh, growing up? Oh, definitely. Um, and it's funny that, you know, his son was on my team uh, oh, that's in, right. at LSU. So, uh, you know, everything is funny how everything <laughs> just falls in place. Uh, so um, it, it's, it's just been crazy. And uh, to, to say that I'm, I'm being compared to Randy Moss uh, is, a, is a big step. Uh, you know, I just got to really just stay focused, stay humble and uh, just keep going out there making those plays. Did your phone blow up a little bit after Sunday's game? <laughs> just a little bit. Just a tad bit. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Justin. And uh, can't wait to start throwing you more passes on Sunday's up ahead. Thanks, Yes, Justin. sir. Appreciate it. And a special thanks to receiver Justin Jefferson for joining the show. We'll be right back with a preview of the Vikings game against the Houston Texans. Vikings Live comes to you from TCO Studios on Thursday night during the regular season. The show is a midweek look at the Vikings featuring a live player interview plus expert analysis and all the latest Viking stories from the week. It's live Thursday nights, KMSB Fox 9 or via Vikings digital and social channels including Vikings.com, Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. For information, vikings.com slash vikingslive. All right, Kirk, next up for the Minnesota Vikings, the, uh, the Texans in Houston on the road on Sunday, 0-3 versus 0-3. 
Uh, can you find that silver lining right now? Is there enough to build on offensively to, to fuel you to continue on at this point on this path and just try to get better every week? Oh, certainly there's things to build on. Uh, anytime you have almost 500 yards of offense and you, you know, have an electrifying rookie like Justin Jefferson and you see Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph do what they did yesterday and uh, you run the ball the way we did. Dalvin Cook, I think, may have, have had a you know, career day running the football. So there's a lot you can build on. Uh, we have to find a way to turn it into a win. And um, um, you know, there's so many ways we can improve and, and, uh, and get that win. But um, there's certainly also a lot, a lot of talent, a lot of ability, and a lot of positive uh, uh, pieces to point to in our offense. The name of the show is literally under center, uh, which brings the point. Uh, you mix it up. Sometimes you're under center. Sometimes you're in the shotgun, depending on the situation, depending what uh, what call maybe that Gary Kubiak makes. Is there one area you feel more comfortable in, or does it really matter to you? Well, I think it depends on the play. I think there's times where I ask to be in the shotgun because I think it gives me a better chance to execute that play or read that you know read the coverage from that spot. But other times, I think that being under center gives us a better chance to you know, run the football or sell play action or run a bootleg. So it, it really just depends on, um, you know, the play that's called and the situation. And and then you never want to have tells. So you want to be very multiple so that when you're in the shotgun, teams can't key in on, you know, a certain type of play or types of plays. And uh, the same for being under center. You want to be able to keep defenses honest and make sure they have to defend your whole playbook. So as long as you mix it up and, and don't have tells, I think that's important. But other than that, it kind of breaks down to play to play. You're in the heat of the moment, play by play, uh, even when you're on the on the sidelines. But have you gotten adjusted to the fact that there aren't any fans, especially at U.S. Bank Stadium, which has been such a focal point of the success the Vikings have had over the years? When you look around, I find myself when I see a big play going, how come the fans aren't cheering? And then I realize, look around going, oh, that's right, there aren't any fans in the stands. Do you sense that at all during the course of the game? Well, it's changed every week. You know, the first week, and I think it was because of an NFL rule, there was a decibel limit. And so the stadium was extremely quiet and it felt nothing like a normal game. Uh, this past home game, it was much different. The loudspeaker was much louder. The music was much louder. And aside from the fans, which is a big part to say aside from, it felt like a normal game, uh, whereas week one did not. Uh, and obviously, obviously, week two uh, was uh, somewhere between the two. We had, you know, 2,500 people in an away stadium, and uh, it felt odd to have that few, but you also had more than week one. So we've kind of gotten three different experiences thus far because this has been a moving uh, fluid situation. And, and now we're going to get another different situation in week four with, I believe, Houston's going to have you know, 15,000 people or, or close to that. And if, if they do, then that's another environment we've got to adjust to. And I'm sure that one of the four we've had so far will feel most like a typical NFL game. I know we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, but it does seem odd uh, with, you know, watching the NBA, of course, the NHL, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs are starting this week without fans, that the NFL doesn't have a uniform rule. Uh, to, that either you have some fans or you don't. Of course, it depends on the state, the mandate of the state, but it, that does seem to be a head-scratcher that uh, there's home field advantage literally with fans in some cities and not with others. Yeah, and I think it just goes way above the NFL, and they can only do so much, and so you ultimately have to abide by, uh, you know, the legislation in the state and what they want. But uh, uh, we'll, we'll – control the controllables and make the best of whatever situation we're in. How do the leaders of this football team make sure that the locker room uh, stays intact, not just this week, and I'm not specifically saying something's going to happen this week, but as the season progresses when you've unfortunately dug yourself such a hole right now? 
this isn't the first time anybody on our team's faced adversity. So uh, we just get back to work. Uh, the same habits that got everybody to the place they are at as an NFL player. We're going to use those same habits now and, and just keep working, keep our head down in, in terms of just focusing on Houston and, and our routine and uh, getting ready for the, for the next opponent. So And, and the NFL is, is tough enough that uh, regardless of your record, you have to uh, have a tremendous week of preparation and a tremendous Sunday to have a chance to win, regardless of you know if the win's been at your back or you've been going against the win. So... Um, you know, I think everybody realizes we have a job to do and it's going to take everybody. And, and I don't see our locker room, you know, at all changing their effort or their focus or their preparation. Uh, what it comes down to is when you bring that effort, focus and preparation, it's got to lead to a win. Do even the veteran players take those cues from the from the coaches? Uh, I mean, in other words, if we walked in the TCO this week, would we know if the Vikings had won or lost on Sunday based on the way the coaches are addressing the team? Uh, the way you do go about your business every day, does it change w whether you won or lost? Well, I think, you know, there's there's a, a healthy amount of time. You know, Sunday night I sit there and I'm sick to my stomach. Uh, it's hard for me to even be with my family, as, as bad as that sounds, because I'm just so frustrated and disappointed with the outcome and how close we were and all the plays that you want to have back. And maybe Monday morning it lingers, but, you know, by the time we come in uh, Wednesday morning and start the, the next week, uh, you know, we've moved forward and, and we understand that we got to embrace the challenge and be ready to fight. You hate to concentrate that much on the record itself because you do have a lot. You got 13 more to go. But uh, is it all, the only three start give you a little more angst only because you're coming off this wonderful season. Uh, you had the great playoff win in New Orleans and you have a lot of starters back on offense. It's a little jarring to find yourself in this hole right now. Well, games are, uh, you know, you only get 16 of them. And so when you lose three to start, it hurts, especially two at home. Um, you know, so we've got 13 opportunities left and uh, we've got to make the most of it. So, um, you know, you take one at a time and, and you believe that if you, you know, can get on the right track and find some ways to win football games that it can turn. And uh, all we can do right now is, is focus on week four and try to get a win there and, and then, you know, reset after that. As far as uh, Gary Kubiak goes, his play calling, is it, is it change a lot week to week depending on the opponent, or do you think you're going to kind of continue to go with your bread and butter and making sure you got a balance between Dalvin Cook and, uh, running the ball as much as we saw in particular on Sunday and being able to throw, pass the ball around a little bit more? We were waiting maybe for the tight ends. Everyone's always saying, well, Jefferson didn't get involved. Now, Irv Smith hasn't touched the ball that much. You have one football. How do you uh, work that out during the course of a game plan? Yeah, I think that's a uh, an interesting point. Um, and I think without preseason games uh, with Gary as the play caller, there is a learning process with new players um, and just trying to figure out what works best. And I think you saw some changes that were made, you know, in week three with Justin at a new role and and then a lot of production from that. And and so you're you're always evolving and trying to find ways to continue to improve. And I expect that to be the case all the way through the season. Um, but like you said, we've got a lot of good football players and we're going to try to, uh, get them all involved. You know, I thought Alex, you know, we talk about Dalvin having a great game, but when Alex had a few carries, I thought he did a really good job of just bringing his pads and hurtling over a guy and making plays and gaining extra yards and fighting for tough yards. So, um, it's nice to have, you know, that kind of depth at several skill positions that, you know, you can lean on at any given time.
Yeah. Do you, do you look uh, again? You talk about the the effort of Alexander Madison. Do you look do you look for body language from your teammates when things aren't going well on the sidelines? Uh, you have to uh, prop everybody up, pat them on the back. Uh, the coaches kick them in the butt. How does that process go as far as staying, staying focused in the heat of the moment? I think we all understand that the game is played one play at a time. The season is played one play at a time. And uh, we all know the game can turn quickly. I mean, we've seen it already happen in the first three weeks. So you just play for the next play and you, you focus on that job. You don't think about three plays from now. You don't think about three plays ago. And you just stay in the moment. And I think all of us have learned that's the way to play the game. And that's how we've been conditioned. And, and that's why... Uh, they're professional football players, but um, no doubt, you know, when you feel like the team needs to get the momentum back, then, you know, there's no better way to do that than to go make a play. You haven't had a, a lot of time to dig into the Texans just yet, but I don't know if you have any initial thoughts about going to face another 0-3 team on their, on their turf. As you mentioned with some fans, Kirk, that'll probably try to help boost them to get their first win of the year. Yeah, I think the stadium will have a different feel than what has become the new normal. Uh, they'll probably have, you know, several thousand fans and um, you know, I know they've got a dynamic quarterback, uh, certainly not where I focus, you know, my study and my preparation, but, um, I know he's a big part of their success. And, and then on defense, I think they've had a lot of success now for several years with a lot of the same names. Um, and so we'll have a big challenge, you know, they've been to the playoffs a few times now and, um, you know, while it is two and three teams, I think it's two football teams with a lot of good players and, a and a lot of experience and, um, I think it's going to be another game that's you know going to come down to the end and and uh, take everything we got. You mentioned when you have a, a loss like you did on Sunday, it's very frustrating to even go home and uh, probably talk to your family very much. Do you completely stay away from football? How do you how do you unwind after a game like that? Uh, some players do watch football. Some players just don't want anything to do with it. Uh, watch some TV, uh, read a book, <laughs> whatever you do. How, how do you handle it? Yeah, you know, I, I still have family that'll come visit, even though they're not going to the stadium. They'll still come to see us and hang out with my kids. And so um, we'll have some family time. Football will be on in the background just because it kind of always is on in the background. <laughs> but um, um, it's hard for me to even truly unwind on Sunday night just because I'm still so dialed from the game. I think I unwind more on Monday, maybe Tuesday a little uh, before we get going again on Wednesday. So Sunday night, you know, it's you're just kind of, exhausted your body hurts and and uh you just are trying to you know process what took place good or bad uh you know only a few hours ago you go back to work uh on wednesday from a fan's perspective take us uh, inside tco is that when the, the game plan uh is, is is installed and then when you start working on specific plays and and with the ideas you have against the texans is, is it is it a process between wednesday and saturday so the coaches are in here all day monday and tuesday putting together the game plan after we review the previous game and and by tuesday evening we'll get the game plan uh sent to us at home so we can you know at least review it if we want to on tuesday night and then we come in wednesday morning and it's presented to us through a, a whole host of meetings but um you know many times we'll go through it with just the quarterbacks and then we'll go through it again with the entire offense so you're getting multiple opportunities to see it and and let it uh really absorb and then the afternoon we practice and we take it to the field and um start to build those reps and and so the combination of meetings and practice and recovery is really what kind of centers the whole week. And, um, you know, you, you got to do an equal amount of each to really be at your best come Sunday. Uh, Kirk, how much tape do you look at in the course of the week? Do you watch it? Because you have those devices you can watch at home. Are you one that look at game after game that the Texans have played to take notes, mental notes, physical notes, and what, how you want to look at this team as well? 
Well, I think it's a balance between studying your opponent through film and also uh, studying your own material. And so, you know, if we put in new plays, if we put in different checks, audibles, whatever it may be, uh, I want to make sure I know those cold. I want to make sure when we get our third down plan, our red zone plan, that I have that borderline memorized so that when the play comes in, I only have to hear the first third of the play and I already know what the play is going to be so I can really operate quickly and efficiently. So that takes a lot of study as well. And I think the combination of studying your own material and the film study of your opponent is really what dominates your uh, your preparation time during the week because you have to do a healthy amount of both. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it that uh, uh, the layman, the lay fan doesn't have any idea that uh, that takes place in getting ready for a national football league. The sophistication of the offenses and defense these days is something that probably didn't exist many years ago. Thanks again for joining us for Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. The Voyage delivers unprecedented access to fans who will be able to get inside the office of Coach Mike Zimmer and have an insider's look and listen during his talks with the team. Viewers also hear directly from current Vikings who will be writing outcomes of games through their play on the field. Watch bi-weekly during the NFL season on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch today and find out more at vikings.com slash voyage.